Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Welcome back, TCK Potters, episode 210 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Back with you bringing the week of tight ends. This week, we'll round out a month-long series we've had of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, Three-part series for each one of them. Fantasy schedules on Tuesdays. Wednesdays have been our rankings, and then Thursdays have been uh, position-specific mock drafts for you to let you know how we would go about that particular position. Focus on a mock draft. Today, we are going to be jumping into our tight end fantasy schedule breakdown. Tomorrow, of course, the rankings. And again, on Thursday, we'll be dropping – a uh, tight end premium mock draft for those of you trying out something new. Lucas, how you feeling, man? How was your uh, how was your weekend? And we're back at it for another week. It was good. Yeah, I'm ready to. I don't know. I don't even want to give a strategy of how I approach tight ends because last year I was pretty tight end heavy because I don't think people bought into Kittle as much as they are this summer, and I don't really know if there is a George Kittle comp to ADP right now. Um, because you'll see tomorrow why I think the one that would maybe be him I'm a little bit lower on. So, I don't know. We'll see how this goes out. We'll see how the draft, um, mock draft on Thursday goes. But I'm not for sure really my, my full tight end strategy quite yet. I also last year was um, – I, I was the middle guy, right? I kept, uh, I kept repping on the podcast the, the next three, right? So, the big three last year were, were some version of, you know, Kelsey Kittle and Ertz and – Last year, the next three were some version of O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, and Evan Ingram. And, of course, I was huge on uh, O.J. Howard like everybody was. And I uh, drafted him in the fifth round of every league that I possibly could. Um, I got Mark Andrews because I was high on him too uh, late, which he bailed me out in a handful of leagues. But in most leagues, I got burned like everybody else because uh, Henry and and, uh, Ingram, of course, got injured again uh, for the most part and uh, were inconsistent. And O.J. Howard just – uh, didn't didn't make it happen. So let's let's take a deeper dive into the schedules here today. And per every episode we do of this, tight end specifically, how do you feel about fantasy schedules? Does it matter? Do fantasy schedules not matter at all? I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about strength of schedule versus like NFL strength of schedule for the whole team and then fantasy strength of schedule per position. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings in the in the space. I put value personally on fantasy strength of schedule. Um, within reason, how do you feel about tight end strength of schedule specifically early, middle of the season, late, streaming, what have you? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one position where you really – it does matter, I think, and kind of in both ways of fantasy points, which I, I found a cool, like, adjusted strength of schedule that we'll go through. But then I think if you just think about it um, in real football ways, like, who covers the tight end the most of the time? Mostly the linebackers, unless they're split out to the wide, but – I'd say 70% of the time when a wide receiver or tight end split out wide, a linebacker is going to be on them in this day, day and age of football. So you can kind of manipulate that to, 
I don't know. I don't even want to give names. Maybe the teams are really good at run-stopping linebackers and they just have a bunch of big guys that can't really cover. Then maybe you use that to your advantage. I remember last year we talked about it. One of my matchups, I had Kittle or I think it was like Darren Waller. I I had to play. And it really just came down to Luke Keekley was going to be covering George Kittle, so I played Waller. And like, so you can, I think this is the one where it really does matter to a certain point because obviously, like Kittle's kind of matchup proof because because he's just, he's the wide receiver one there. Kelsey's the same, but when it comes to streaming, I think that's like that needs to be the decision maker overall because volume's great, but if you can't turn volume into really a touchdown is kind of what it comes down to for tight ends. Like it's kind of a worthless play. I'd rather take a shot on an upside guy for a touchdown or two. I agree. And especially with the, uh, with the mentality generally, especially in the industry to to stream late tight ends. If you don't get either Kelsey or Kittle this year, or even Ertz or Andrews, I guess in the top four rounds, if you don't get those guys, you're, you're potentially streaming way late at the end of your drafts. So let's try to find some of those nuggets. And what we're going to do today is we're going to do the best and worst schedules uh, per usual. And then we're going to do the playoff outlook as well, which I know is way out, but this is, it's less about drafting because of the playoffs. It's more about getting your head around who has positive and negative playoff matchups so that you can trade away, make a, a, you know, uh, make a move later, maybe pass on a guy early in a draft, but then look to trade him, uh, trade for him later on or vice versa in the uh, season. And then we're going to do something where we're going to look at the first four weeks of the season uh, to end the episode. And that is strictly for streaming purposes. So I want to run down a handful of names uh, that are maybe uh, positive streaming. If you're going to be drafting somebody in like the 13th, 15th round of your draft for one week, pretty much just for that matchup. And maybe some guys that are streamers that you maybe want to pass on for that first week or two. So, all right, man. So a lot of information, of course, uh, quick uh, house cleaning. We do have the draft guide dropping in a month. It's already around the corner, man. Very, very excited about that. July 6th, you can pick up your draft guide. Lucas and I have been working behind the scenes tirelessly on that. We've got a lot of uh, inquiries about the TCK pod listener league as well this year. Again, that is not coming out until the end of July. Um, so we're going to pause and focus on the uh, draft guide for now. But those of you who are interested in the TCK pod league, feel free to DM us um, and contact any way that you're interested. And we'll kind of get a, a running list and um, connect with you once that drops. But let's focus on the draft guide for now. All right, my man, let's jump into this. As always, I'm going to go through the top 10. So one to 10 best strengths of schedule for the tight end position. This is season long per pro football focus. So we're going to be looking at the top 10 season long strengths of schedule for the tight end position. I'll just run down the list and I'll get your thoughts here once I get through it. Number one, best strength of schedule, Evan Ingram. Seventh round ADP right now, he might be the guy that is this year's O.J. Howard for me, where if I miss on the first couple of guys, Evan Ingram's got that episode, uh, upside. Obviously, you and I feel the same. Obviously, you and I have uh, feel the same. We have been um, mocking him consistently uh, in multiple mock drafts, so I like that. Uh, another one, Baltimore. Ravens here. So, Mark Andrews, the second best strength of schedule. Obviously, we love that. Washington. Jeremy Sprinkle, who I'm not even sure is a uh, streamer, but he has the third best. Then we look at Jarwin with the Cowboys, fourth. Ebron, fifth with the Steelers. George Kittle, my man, sixth with the 49ers. We got the Bengals, Jaguars, 
And then we have the Falcons and the Eagles to round out the top 10. So again, in order, teams, the Giants, Ravens, Redskins, Cowboys, Steelers, 49ers, Bengals, Jaguars, Falcons, and Eagles. Top 10 strength of schedule for season long. Obviously, there's a number of names in there that we're drafting anyway. Uh, Ingram will be heavily drafted. Andrews, of course, uh, Kittle, and um, Ertz and Goddard. But let's talk about some of these other guys here. Who pops off the page for you either as an automatic or maybe somebody that you, you know, kind of raises an eyebrow that they have a positive schedule here that you maybe weren't considering before this. Yeah. So I, I'll use the the metrics that I'm going to use because it's similar to just to show that this is pretty congruent. So on fantasypoints.com, it's a brand new site. Uh, some of like the Kings of fantasy websites and like the, 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 they're like the first ones ever to create the first fantasy website. They started this site, brought in a bunch of good people. Um, Scott Barrett used to work for PFF very numbers-based guy. So he took a strength-to-schedule approach of um, – so the, the so take – we'll just take the Cardinals, for example. They allowed, say, 20 points per game to the tight end position last year. And then he averaged and then he averaged that out with – so say the, the Lions played him. We, they played him week one. Say the tight end group for the Lions scored 17 points and the overall um, points allowed for the whole season for the Cardinals was 20. So there'd be a strength of schedule of three there, if that makes sense. So it's the net points between what you guys what, – what they average per the year versus the tight end they played average per the year. And then it just takes the plus or minus of that to see who has, like, the true the true strength of schedule, if that makes sense. Obviously, the defense has got better. The offense has got worse, et cetera. We've talked about that in the other episodes. So with um, what he ran, the, the five easiest schedules are the Eagles. So whatever tight end you like there, Evan Ingram, George Kittle, the Rams – same, there's two tight ends and Mark Andrews. So they really, um, for the upcoming season, have a great schedule because they score so many points and their schedules, like you said, are their top 10. But really, like, after top five, I think it's pretty kind of average from, like, 6 to 15, not much of a difference. So uh, to me, really what it means is that's why I said I'm torn because I don't know if I want to go up and get a guy like Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Mark Andrews is going to be high. I think Higby's going to be pretty high too. Or if I just want to wait because if they are going to be going so high, maybe I just take guys later and take the guys that are like, uh, I don't know, say Kittle's in round two. Maybe I just take Julio instead or something like that. So it's going to be hard to evaluate, I think, really what is best for your team in terms of value. But I think, with that being said, I think all the guys you read, all the guys I read are just going to build upon what they did last year, which is really impressive. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a couple other names here where I've been kind of on the fence for my late round streamer, but this gives me more confidence again. Blake Jarwin, I've already been on. I've been I've been talking about him uh, since the beginning. And now my man, Mike Wright of the Fantasy Footballers is, is super high on him too. So obviously Jarwin's going to catch some steam. Um, but uh, that that's a great one. Uh, Ebron has kind of slipped through the cracks this year. Obviously a couple years ago, you know, he was second in the league in touchdowns tied with uh, – uh, with uh, Devontae Adams, I believe, behind Antonio Brown with 14 total touchdowns. It's crazy. Then last year, everyone drafted him super high, and he fell off the cliff with the yeah. touchdowns there. But he gets another opportunity with Pittsburgh, who has the fifth-best schedule. Um, I, I think he's, again, he's kind of touchdown or bust. But at the tight end position, you really only need the touchdowns. If you listen, if you listen to Jeff Ratcliffe, who runs the uh, PFF podcast, right, he talks all the time. He says he, he basically calls tight ends – the, the three for 33 guys, right? Because the difference in a tight end, unfortunately, with streamers, which is why you need to target big, you know, big uh, workloads, but also the touchdown upside guys, is because a lot of tight ends, week in and week out, 
a, a normal stat line for any tight end in the league is three catches, 33 yards, and that's what, six PPR fantasy points. But if they happen to get a touchdown, which could be a, a three-yard pass in the back of the end zone, all of a sudden that jumps to 12 PPR fantasy points and really kind of starts to, to separate you, right? Because that touchdown is so huge for the tight end. So Ebron is a guy that I'm not excited about. I'm probably not going to be drafting very much. However, he is a guy that I'm looking at if I'm streaming way late that nobody's talking about right now that we have seen do it. And we do know that the, uh, you know, Vance McDonald, Heath Miller in the olden golden days for older fantasy players with Ben Roethlisberger was excellent for um, fantasy. So I think there is a, a chance for him. Obviously, again, the other names, Ingram, Ed, uh, Andrews, Kittle, uh, Ertz, and Goddard, those guys are going to be getting drafted. Um, Hayden Hurts or, or – uh, Hayden Hurst is uh, ninth um, on this list here. I think that, uh, you know, that could be that could be an opportunity. I'm a little bit nervous about him, to be honest with you. Uh, I just don't think he's that amazing. Um, but then there's Eifert and Ozama as well, who are just, again, deep sleepers who are top ten in fantasy. So, again, the Giants, Ravens, Redskins, Cowboys, Steelers, uh, 49ers, Bengals, Jaguars, and Falcons and Eagles have the top 10 fantasy schedules for the tight end for the season long. Let's jump down a little bit and jump into the bottom 10, right? So these are 23 through 32 with the bottom 10 worst fantasy schedules for the season long. So I, there's interesting names in here, but you know, Kelsey, let's start with that. Kelsey's number 31. Are you worried at all? Is there any reason you're not going to draft uh, Travis Kelsey because he's got the 31st? Probably not. However, the next name on the list, number 30, that's Darren Waller. I know you've been excited about Darren Waller, but something like this puts a little bit of a pause. and makes me dive in a little bit deeper here. He faces the NFC South, which is quite tough. He faces your Broncos, which is quite tough. However, he does get the Miami Dolphins, who look to be terrible, uh, in Week 16, which should be your fantasy championship so up or down with um with darren waller there so that's number 30 that is definitely a name that that gives me pause a little bit going down the list here 29 detroit lions hawkinson 28 dawson knox with buffalo 27 we have chicago with jimmy graham or cole commit uh, we have 26 that's ian thomas 25 gesicki with the miami dolphins then we have the chargers at uh 24 with hunter henry and then 23 Jay Sternberger. So why don't you talk about really quick? Obviously, we'll kick Kelsey off of this because he's automatic. But anybody else on here, how do you feel about Waller now uh, that we take a, di a deeper dive look here and he's got a bottom 10 fantasy schedule? Does that scare you off at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that with the schedule and all the people they drafted, and I, it was it was good at the time because I, I thought they were maybe going to draft one receiver, not a million offensive weapons like they did. So – I'm probably just going to be off on Waller because I don't think his ADP will lower because I think people will just be like, he broke out last year, it's going to happen again, and his ADP will just kind of stay right around the five, which there's so many better options to me. Um, Gusecki, yeah, I, did, but I just don't think that matters. When there's only two guaranteed guys that are playing week one and him and Devontae Parker, Preston Williams is still coming back. I mean, Jordan Howard and Matt Breed is going to be a good combo, but is that really going to – I mean, it's not going to mess with anything that bad. Like, they're just two – one's going to get you four and a half yards per carry and one touches the ball ten times a game. So, there's a lot of volume to go around there. Um, on my list with the fantasy points, one Gronk and O.J. Howard on there. Jared Cook's on there. I mean, 
those guys are all just later anyway. So I guess the advice I would give was, would be if there's a later guy you like and it's not necessarily a pass-heavy offense and there's a lot of weapons, I would probably just fade him. Because what you're banking on there is like eight-plus touchdowns, which is even hard to come by for like Kelsey and Kittle who do it like almost every year. But like it seems like they're like right on the edge of that. So I would probably just fade and go for upside plays um, with that. And Waller took like – the, that was, like, the biggest volume of tight ends, like, ever gotten before, and he wasn't even tight end once. So, I don't know. There's just certain situations where I think the schedule doesn't matter, like I said. And I think in this case, with some of the guys you just read, I think there is for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I just realized I misspoke a little bit, so I'm going to double back very quickly. Uh, I think I mentioned Atlanta with the ninth best um, schedule, and I meant to say the Cleveland Browns. I apologize there. Mm-hmm. I saw Cooper's name, and I mixed them up. So Cleveland Browns have the number nine uh, best strength of schedule with Hooper uh, and Oren Joku. Quick note on that. Baker Mayfield has thrown one-third of his touchdowns in his NFL career to the tight end position already. So that's obviously an uptick there. Kevin Stefanski comes in, who ran 550 plays, second most in the league to the Philadelphia Eagles in two tight end sets. You love that as well. On top of that, back in college, when Baker Mayfield and Mark Andrews uh, were teammates at Oklahoma, he threw Mark Andrews seven touchdowns in 2015, seven touchdowns in 2016, and eight touchdowns in 2017. So Baker Mayfield definitely looking for the big body tight ends in the end zone there. So sorry, I want to digress a little bit. I, I misspoke on the Cleveland Browns there and Austin Hooper. Let's jump into the Falcons, who are actually the 32nd, so dead last, Hayden Hurst, dead last um, schedule right now. Gets, uh, again, the NFC South, which is tough, Minnesota and Denver. Very, very tough matchups there for the Falcons. So I agree with you, man. Again, uh, Kelsey off the board, still taking him in the you know middle second round if, if he even waits that long and it works out for my team. Great. Waller, I wasn't crazy about anyway when they brought on all these other receivers. Um, I, I mean, I think he's going to be fine, but I don't expect him to be you know a top six tight end like he's getting drafted right now. Uh, if he falls in your drafts, I think he's – almost a value at that point. Um, but I'm not, I'm not excited about him necessarily. Hawkinson, I still got to see him prove it. I know the talent is there. Dawson Knox, I'll punt that for now. Jimmy Graham, no thank you. Cole Komet, I just don't think he's going to get the work with Jimmy Graham in the way. Ian Thomas, I actually do like as a late-round streamer, but this strength of schedule definitely scares me away there a little bit. Um, and then Gesicki, I actually, you and I both like a lot, but uh, concerned there as well with the strength of schedule, but I do like him moving forward through the season. Hunter Henry, Great talent, worried about the injuries, and Sternberger is Rodgers actually going to finally use the guy. So I am with you there. Let's move down the list here really quick, and then we'll move into the playoff conversation. So, again, worst schedules from dead last moving up to a little bit of a positive to 23. At 32, the Falcons with Hayden Hurst, 31, the Chiefs with Kelsey, 30, the Raiders with Darren Waller, 29, the Lions with Hawkinson, 28, Buffalo Bills with Knox, 27, the Bears with Jimmy Graham and or Cole Komet, 26, Panthers with Ian Thomas, 25, Miami Dolphins with Kasicki, 24, Chargers with Henry, 23, the Packers with Jay Sternberger. All right, man, let's turn the page a little bit here. Let's look at the playoff preview. And again, I understand the playoff preview in general is is probably for not. A lot of this shit is going to change by the time we actually get to the playoffs. I am very aware of that. We do this on purpose because I want you to have a larger mindset going into your drafts. Um, and here, here's really maybe a, a, a more important reason to consider the playoffs when you're drafting. You do not draft because of the playoffs hit or miss. 
Um, but you are potentially looking at an opportunity to maybe grab a second guy or a third guy who you can just stash to make sure you get them. You don't have to fight for them on waivers later if you have a deeper bench, um, taxi squads, whatever you're doing with the dynasty, stuff like that, where you can look at a guy and you can just hold them. Also, it's good to have in the back of your mind and say, hey, Blake Jarwin, which I'll get to, has a great first week. He also has the, uh, the fourth best playoff schedule, and he's got the fourth best overall schedule. So that's a guy that checks all the boxes for me who I'm going to be targeting late in drafts so you know that that's coming up. So, again, I understand that there's – you know, I've been getting a little bit of feedback on, uh, on the posts and on the podcast about, you know, the irrelevance of the playoffs when you're drafting. However, I just – I totally disagree. I think it's doesn't weigh very heavy necessarily, but I think it is important to consider when you're getting into it. So, Lucas, again, please uh, give your thoughts really quick on, you know – Considering the playoffs specifically, we just went into the the full season outlooks, but we both know that um, the playoffs, which should be week 14, 15, and 16 in your fantasy leagues, um, that's when obviously you make your bread. So how do you feel about the playoffs? Do you consider them at all in general? And do you consider them at the tight end position? I don't think at the tight end position because the way I look at it is if you're not drafting – Top six guys, we could say we'll throw, we'll throw. Ah, uh, yeah, I'd say top five. I think Ingram hits the top five, and I think it's kind of up in the air from there. Um, there's a lot of question marks with even the guys that people think are top six or seven. Besides those guys, you're drafting streamers, anyways. So, the chances of like the ch- how many times a year do we have a guy that hits? Like last year was Andrews, the year before that was Kittle. It seems to be right about one guy. While there was this clearly a volume play really to me I don't really see any volume plays this year just like that um so there's like maybe one uh we'll go one and a half guys that kind of break out as the waiver guy that you can start every year so maybe a little I think but I think that other people sort of see the same things that we do um with Jarwin I think he's rising a lot for good reasons um so I don't know if it'll be like an extreme like 11th through 13th round pick like he might have this year. yeah so like <laughs> If you're drafting him in the eighth round, you're probably drafting him to be your tight end. So, like, yes, take that into account. But uh, more so just, like, draft him to get, get you to there first. I know I say it all the time. Um, and then, like, I, one other tip would be, like, maybe take two or three tight ends. I think it's something that I'm realizing that you can easily do. Maybe take a Jarwin, an Ebron, uh, Ian Thomas. Because, like, like I said, the chances of one of them hitting compared to – if you have 10 teams in your league and they all only roster one guy and you have three, you have a better chance to hit. It's plain and simple. 100% yeah. agree, dude. And I, I know that you and I have, have talked about this quite a bit, but I dialing back to the quarterback episodes and, the, and now the tight ends, I have, been a, I have been a player in my leagues for years, dude, as long as I can remember. And I pretty much play single quarterback leagues. Obviously, I'm getting into super flex and we're in a dynasty league and all this other shit. But traditionally, I've been playing for 15 years. Traditionally, I'm in single QB leagues and definitely one tight end uh, leagues um, and not tight end premium until recently. But I have always drafted who I think is a great quarterback early. Now, I've been burned every once in a while. Baker Mayfield last year was one of them. Aaron Rodgers last year was one of them. Um, But I've also, you know, hit on a couple. And then I draft a guy late like a Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or uh, Dak Prescott a couple years ago, that kind of thing. And they come out and hit tight end as well. I also do that. I am willing if I can get a stud receiver, stud running back, and Kelsey or Kittle are sitting on the board in the middle of the second round, I will do that if I feel like 
I'm going to still be able to make up the rest of my roster. But even though they are that as amazing as they are preseason, shit happens every year. You never know what's going to go down. Gronk was a first-round pick for like a decade. But half of those seasons, he went down in week five. And all of a sudden, you were streaming anyway, right? So mm-hmm. instead of drafting a stud and then just going to the waiver wires if anything happens, I cheat on the waiver wire by a few weeks and a few rounds. And I'll look at, like, by the time I've got – four running backs and four receivers and I've got a quarterback and I've got my tight end. I want the best players on my team. So that means that I get Matt Stafford as a backup in the 12th round, but the rest of my roster is great. I'm stoked on that because of his upside. If that means I end up getting Blake Jarwin and I reach quote unquote for him in the 12th, 13th round, but I have him and don't have to worry about him getting scooped on the roster just in case I want to take that. So I'm definitely somebody that picks up two quarterbacks, two tight ends, maybe even three, depending on the depth of my roster too. So I like that approach. And once you get, you know, four or five running backs, like I don't need a seventh wide receiver on my fantasy roster. um, And I don't need a sixth running back unless it's a rookie handcuff or, um, somebody like an Alvin Kamara a few years ago, which I bring up every once in a while on the podcast, who I saw the upside if the chips fall, that guy will take a risk on. But I don't need like a Chris Thompson or something random, you know, or like a Rex Burkhead who like just isn't going to give me enough weekly until they get uh, somebody above them gets hurt, in which case I can go to the waiver wires. I would rather take the upside plays a quarterback or tight end again before the rest of my league catches on. So I want to get my thoughts on that. All right, man, let's jump into the playoff schedules here. One through 10 best playoff schedules again this is weeks 14 15 and 16 best playoff schedule the new england patriots which would have been (laughs) would have been fabulous uh the last couple of years here um not that tom brady and gronk needed any help but the patriots get the second best fifth best and 14th best throughout the playoffs after that we have the jets then we have the texans at three cowboys at four steelers at five ravens at six giants at seven Seattle Seahawks at eight, Raiders at nine, and the 49ers at 10. Uh, what jumps off the page here? There's a couple names. I mean, like, nobody's talking about the tight end from the Patriots, from the Jets, from the uh, Texans. Um, you're streaming at best uh, Pittsburgh. You're streaming at best um, probably Seattle at this point. But you're looking now ahead at the playoffs. Are any of these guys the players that you might be drafting to stash at the uh, end of your bench here to get ahead of the curve? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Ebron pops up on the list. I think that, I mean, okay, I'm also buying into Big Ben. Big, okay, I also listened to a podcast for Big Ben. He got Tommy John surgery. The amount, of, the amount of players, football players, that have had Tommy John surgery since, like, they could record it, yeah, one, Big Ben. So he's completely fine. And he, he was in an interview saying that he wasn't going to shave the beard until he could throw a football. Exactly my point of he's not coming back injured, so he's, he's ready to go. Um, I don't want to say he favors the tight end because we did the whole Vance McDonald experiment and that didn't work. Also, he got hurt, but still, like, it didn't really work. But I think that just a red zone element to a slot, a team that has a slot receiver and then a bunch of question marks, Ebron could right, be right back in his 10-touchdown uh, roles. I think he's a late-round guy to pair with an upside guy just in case. I think Greg Olson, people are kind of forgetting about. Uh, Seattle made the list. He didn't sign with Seattle to not play either or be at the main tight end. He would have just went to the booth like he already had lined up. So I think he's going to be a good uh, late-round guy that you could probably not even draft, to be honest, and just pick him up before the season starts. I think we saw that not necessarily the Seattle tight ends were featured, but they were very productive because they were the third option in the passing attack, sometimes even the second when DK Metcalf 
was kind of limited on his roles and got kind of shut down. So I think he'll be a good one. I mean, the top guys like Baltimore, uh, Kittle pops up here, Jarwin um, are on here. But like I said, I don't really think the strength of schedule matters for them too much. Jarwin possibly, but with Jarwin, you kind of have to bank on the vacated production really getting filled and him really developing into this full-time player, which he probably isn't as of now. His blocking subpar. That's why they kept around uh, Dalton Schultz. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I think the the two the two the main the main ones are Ebron and Olson. I think that people are just gonna fade them because I think they're kind of washed um, due to injuries or just I think Ebron was injured last year too. And I think they'll be great values. I like that. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And again, as as high as I am on Jarwin, I am very aware of the CD Lamb situation and all the mouths to feed and yada yada with the Cowboys. I get it. Uh, would you bring up Greg Olson um, just to make a connection here? Um, last year we saw Jason Witten come back from the booth, uh, you know, basically unretire, come back, and was the tight end 11 on accident, running five-yard curls, which we've talked about a lot here on the podcast. I think Greg Olson can do that and then some. Russell Wilson traditionally has loved the tight end position. Pete Carroll loves the tight end position. And as you said, as much as we love DK and, and Tyler Lockett, there's really not a third option per se. So down in the red zone at least, Greg Olson is that guy. And if Greg Olson, again, we just talked about tight ends and touchdowns. If Greg Olson had 40 receptions for 400 yards, which is, you know, below average, uh, but he got eight touchdowns, I would not be surprised if that's a stat line. And he would be uh, probably a top 10 tight end easily with that. Mm -hmm. So um, I do like the upside there. And, And really, again, nobody's talking about him either um, right now, because, you know, there's so many uh, other tight ends there and, He's just kind of old and whatever. But, again, I agree with you. Players at this point in their career do not sign somewhere to not get action. That actually makes me pause a little bit with the Waller situation because I don't think Jason Witten is going to take over Waller's job, but he is going to get yeah, a handful so, of receptions yeah. and touchdowns uh, that Waller just isn't going to get, frankly. Um, so, again, I, I, I think those are things to, to look big picture um, when you're drafting. Okay. Again, the best playoff schedules, we have the top 10 here, 1 to 10. Patriots have the best. Then the Jets, the Texans, the Cowboys, the Steelers, Baltimore at 6, Giants, Seahawks, Raiders, and 49ers at 10 to round out the top 10. Let's jump down to the worst playoff schedules here. And, again, this is, these are guys that I might just be fading for streamers. When I look at this list, we'll get through it in just a second – there's not a lot of high-profile guys that I'm excited to like go out and draft right away anyway, but what this does tell me is that I'm probably able to pass on them as I'm streaming potentially, or I'm just not looking to trade for them later in the season, whereas the names I just read off, even if you don't draft them, you don't stream them, whatever, come week 10 or so, these are the type of guys that I want to start to uh, look at to see if they're available, like an Ebron, like a Greg Olson, um, like a Waller even if he struggles or doesn't get the work, uh, to potentially look at the playoff section there. So worst playoff schedules will start at the bottom at 32 overall, and then we'll move our way up to 23. So the worst playoff schedule goes to the Buffalo Bills and Dawson Knox. Then we have Higby and the Rams. I definitely want to talk about that. He's one of the most hyped tight ends, and rightfully so because he fucking beasted at the end of the season last year. Another late-round streamer we didn't mention earlier who came on late to uh, help win championships. Higby at number 31. Then we have the Browns at 30, Bears at 29, Panthers at 28, Buccaneers, Gronk, Howard, and the crew at 27, Washington at 26, 
25 is Hunter Henry with the Chargers, 24, Gasicki, and then we have 23, Hawkinson with the Lions. So who pops off the page here for the worst playoff schedules, and are these guys that, you know, let's take a, you know, Higby right off the bat, potentially Austin Hooper, um, certainly Gronk now, Hunter Henry, Gasicki, some of these guys that are definitely high-profile fantasy tight end names. Uh, does it give you any pause here looking ahead at their worst playoff schedules? Yeah, I think it's hard to tell for some of these guys. I think a lot of these tight ends are guys that we're hoping on them filling a big role. Um, so, for example, Dawson Knox, we're hoping he fills a big role. And by the time the playoffs comes around, we'll have an idea of if he is or not. He won't be on a team if he's not. Same with Hawkinson. If he's not up to what we hope he is, like he's just going to be dropped. Miami, Sam Gusecki, really Hunter Henry, too. We saw him on waivers last year just because he just he's not consistent. He never really has been, so we'll see this year. Um, I think the one, though, is the Rams. And I think it's – I'm going to be much, much lower on Higby. Not because he didn't do it last year, but because I saw a stat where um, he, he's played 58 total games. Besides the last year breakout, or up until then he had 58 total games. Besides the last year breakout, he hit over 50 receiving yards twice in 58 games. Gerald Everett was much better than him when he played. Bryson Hopkins is there. Are, there, there, are they going to run 12 personnel? I know we talked about this. They just added Jefferson another slot receiver to go with Cooper Cup, their slot receiver, and Josh Reynolds, their other outside receiver with Robert Woods. So it's just not – like, it, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of turning on that team to where you just want to fade him in general. I just don't really see where – his role is going to be because also when he was breaking out, they were in 12 personnel because they had no other weapon. Brandon Cooks was hurt. Robert Woods was out one game for personal issues. Cooper Cove kind of fell off the map. So I don't know. It's just a lot of um, question marks there. And if he's a tough playoff schedule with three tight ends possibly playing in an 11 personnel set, I don't really know. I think it's just going to be, I think he's going to disappoint people on his return. So maybe he's the one I just like, nah, I don't really need to draft him because I think if you're drafting him in the, sixth round seventh round prior by the time the summer rolls around you're not dropping obviously you drop with the sex but like you're not planning on having another tight end really that would produce the same level as him because you're expecting a good return so maybe maybe just fade the rams i know cleveland popped up on here but i think cooper's just a smart fade as it is i don't really think there's I, yeah I, I think that's just more of a smart pick just to fade hooper anyways because i know i said to david njoku Harrison Bryant, um, the team's not that great. I know I broke it down on the receivers' rankings episode. So I'd, the Rams and uh, Browns tight end groups, I'll probably just be fading this year due to really everything combining plus the hard schedule. And with the Rams, uh, Sean McVay has come out and basically said that, like, Gerald Everett got hurt, which is why Higby was full on a thing. And, and you know, let's put respect where respect is deserved. Higby fucking was an animal down yeah. the stretch, right? And so he, he earned – he earned the hype. Unfortunately, I don't know that he's going to be able to return the value on the hype that now has built because of what he did. That's the concern. I like Higby a lot. I think he's, you know, he's obviously a great tight end when he gets to work. But is he going to with all these weapons that we just mentioned? Plus, you know, they bring in Cam Akers. They do have two capable running backs, so Malcolm Brown and Terrell Henderson already as well. So, like, what exactly are the Rams going to do post Todd Gurley um, and Brandon Cooks? Furthermore. Um, you know, Sean McVay has come out and basically said that he wants to make sure Gerald Everett is involved again, even with him getting injured. They had to basically kind of turn that offense around to feature Henry when, when Everett went down 
um, because Cup was slumping and some of these, you know, the, the, uh, Gurley wasn't Gurley except for, you know, getting his touchdowns kind of a thing. So there is a narrative out there that basically like the whole offense changed to target and focus on Higby, which is ish true for the last six games of the season. Yeah. But it wasn't because Sean McVay woke up one morning and was like, Higby's the best dude on our team. We need him to, to, to be smashing. It was more of a, uh, a workout of necessity. So um, I agree. I like Higby a lot, but I am putting a little bit of pause on him as well. And I, I'm worried that he might be this year's OJ Howard, which I'm, I'm really concerned about to be drafted in the first four to six rounds. And I don't think he'll disappear like Howard did last year, but I, I don't think he's going to be producing in the magnitude that he did at the end of the season, which is that recency bias that we we're excited about. So Higby is definitely a, a push there. Some other streamer guys that I'm just kind of concerned about that I had a little bit of excited uh, excitement about, but I see them in the worst overall schedule overall. And then again, for the playoffs, guys like uh, Hawkinson, um, Gasicki, uh, Ian Thomas, Dawson Knox, even in deeper leagues. Um, those are guys that I'm probably just all around fading. I love Mike Gasicki. You and I both agree that, he could, he could, he, along with Blake Jarwin and potentially John o. Smith and maybe some other guys, could be this year's Mark Andrews, if you will, getting drafted in the tenth plus round and, and end up as a top six tight end. That could happen with Kasiki for sure, talent wise. But schedule, um, not knowing if Tua's coming in and if he does, what actually happens is Devonte Ad- Devonte Parker, excuse me, the actual truth finally, and and you know year five and six here. Um, and then Preston Williams, when he comes back, what's going to happen with that whole situation? There's a lot of feelers. They have two brand new running backs. They basically have a whole new defense. Who are the Dolphins actually going to be? And is Mike Kosicki a focal point there or just a complimentary piece? Not, not uh, sure. What made Mark Andrews Andrews and what made George Kittle George Kittle the year before that was they happened to become the focal point of their offenses because there wasn't other receiving options that were more dominant than both of those guys in their particular season. So they were just the guy getting all the work and they um, exploded through, uh, through the cracks. I don't see that happening with Mike Kosicki as much as it needs to for him to be a top six tight end. Although I do like him a lot. I think he's going to have some huge up games and I would love to draft him in like the 10th, 12th, 14th round as a streamer, but the hype is starting to build on him as well. Uh, and I just think there's too many question marks to really make him the focal point without injury to let him get uh, that high up the board as much as I do love the talent. So, again, the worst fantasy playoff schedules, 32 to 23, starting at the bottom. The Bills at 32, Rams, Browns, Bears, Panthers, Bucks at 27. Uh, before we move on, I guess we didn't touch on Gronk and Brady and, and – I guess we can't have a tight end episode without going into Gronk. What are your quick thoughts on him coming back? I know you're kind of fading the, the, the Brady hype train in general, the Gronk, but like realistically, again, I just mentioned that Greg Olson, who I think Greg Olson and, and Rob Gronkowski are probably the same tight end at this point for various reasons. Um, if Gronk gets 50 receptions for 500 yards, but stays healthy for 12 to 14 games because he's fresh off that full year off. If he puts the weight back on and everything else, there's definitely a world where Gronk catches 10 fucking touchdowns just out of principle for Brady and Gronk in that offense. If he has 50, 510 Gronk's a top five tight end. Do you think that's realistic? And is he, I know you're not drafting him, but is he somebody that you would maybe recommend if you're able to get 
value. The problem is Gronkowski's Gronkowski, and you're just not going to find value. But yeah. how do you feel about uh, about Gronk right now, realistically, with all those other mouths to feed with, with Brady and Tampa? The way I look at it is, is everyone last year was like, Bruce Arians can't feed the tight end. He's not a tight end guy, not a tight end guy. So that's why everyone was split on OJ Howard. And that's why his ADP never really rose. So like it rose obviously because like the opportunity was there, but then it kind of stayed around that, that seventh round, sixth round. So what makes you think a less athletic tight end that just came out of retirement that just lost a lot of weight is going to flip the switch on Bruce Arians sort of tight end scheme. And now we have to compete with a more athletic OJ Howard. I would say a better tight end as of now and Cameron Bright. Cameron Bright. There's a reason Cameron Bright has good games every single year because he's a good tight end, not because he sucks. Like, that, that wouldn't happen because he's bad. So, I just – I don't know – even 50 catches. Like, I just don't know. I haven't done my productions yet. I've started on them. But, like, I just don't see where you can even really get that because it's going to be – well, they're going to go 12 personnel now, they said, too, which everyone was freaking out. They ran, like, the fourth highest rate of 12 personnel last year. So, it's not really a change. So, you're going to see a rotating cast of three tight ends. The ball is going to be funneled to the two receivers. If Scotty Miller's on the field and Tyler Johnson's mixed in, you still have three running backs with Dari Ogunbowale. They might get Devontae Freeman. Keyshawn so like, Vaughn. Yeah, so, like, I don't I, – I just don't know. Like, I don't know how we can project him to even have that much, especially when Bruce Arian is not a tight end guy. So, it's just weird that people think that it's, like, going to happen, I guess. Like, because everyone was off him last year because he's like, oh, he can't do it. Um Bruce Arians can't hold a tight end, so why can he hold a guy that just came out of retirement that hasn't played football in three years and has played, like, one full season in his whole career? I agree with you 95%. The piece that I think I'm willing to uh, take a chance on this year is I understand Arians isn't a tight end guy, but if there's anybody that could come into a system with an OG coach like Bruce Arians and be like, hey, coach, I respect your ways and I'm down to play your game. But what about like this piece of my game that we put into your system that you're not usually down with, which would be Tom Brady throwing to the fucking tight end and not a tight end, not a random tight end, like Rob Gronkowski, like Brady Mm -hmm. and Gronk. If they do anything super magical this year, like a crazy run through the Super Bowl, they're going to fucking ride in the sunset together, retire together and go into the hall of fame together, which is just the storybook ending to what their careers have been realistically. I am not going to be drafting Gronkowski in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round like everybody else um, who is going to be drafting him there with that value. He's not going to fall to the 10th, so I just won't have him on my teams. However, I definitely see a script where you're right. The 12 personnel came out that article, you know, the, the, the blast came out like last week and everybody freaked out and I dove in as well. And you're like, well, they did that last year too. So it shouldn't be that big of a deal. My thing is like, Brady can throw the ball downfield, which I know is something we've tried to debunk here on, on the, the podcast. The commission boys are very intense about that. Like he can throw the ball downfield. He just basically didn't last year because he didn't have anybody to fucking throw the ball downfield to this -hmm. year. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Godwin over the middle. He's got Gronkowski and OJ Howard up the scene. He's got uh, Bray in, in um, the red zone. He's going to have all these running backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. I think Ronald Jones is better than people give him credit for. Um, and of course, you know that I love uh, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and uh, Dario Gumbawale. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens. But I, I can see 50 receptions might be high, but let's say 30, you know, 350, but still 10 touchdowns. I mean, like, that's what it comes down to. I do think, I mean, think about it this way, man, just in a, on a human level, 
the Bucks are on like the six yard line. They ran the ball on first down and fucking Rojo gets stuffed because that's what's going to happen. It's second down. It's third down before a field goal. You're telling me that, that Brady and Gronk don't have a mind meld and they're just conditioned over a decade of playing together yeah. to not like play action, look at Gronk first. If Gronk is double covered, then you have Evans, then you have Godwin and all these other positions. I just don't see a scenario where if Gronk plays 12 games that he doesn't have eight at least and maybe flirt with double-digit touchdowns. And again, it's going to be ugly. He's not going to be great week in and week out. And, of course, there's an injury concern. But over an entire season, if that happens, Gronkowski is going to be top eight probably with top five upside. I think it's just that's, I think, realistic right now. Yeah, I I do see all that. I mean, I'm just not going to draft him like you said, Warren, because he's like the most overhyped Hall of Fame top three tight end of all time for numerous reasons. And, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be hard to project any of this because it's a complete offensive switch. Like, they're going to go to 12, but, like, they're going to be running 12 personnel to suit Brady, not to suit Winston, which was play action to Ogunbu. Right. Like, one of the best pass-catching running backs that no one was to talk about last year. And yuck it deep. Like, that could still happen, but it's going to be more – methodical and well-planned out schemes so like yes that could help them but we'll just see um because I'm interested to see what they do with Bray because they're not gonna they can't cut him this year and that's that it's gonna waste six million dollars which wouldn't make any sense it'll be interesting to see if they use him as more of like a I don't know it's gonna it's just kind of weird because they're they're all three decent pass blockers all three good running routes so it'll be it'll be fun to see how this plans out for him Yep, and we've talked about a lot. The reason that Rob Gronkowski – I mean, the reason Rob Gronkowski is Rob Gronkowski in fantasy is because he's been just the most dominant tight end for a decade during his heyday. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason Rob Gronkowski is a surefire Hall of Famer uh, is obviously the touchdowns and the yardage and and Super Bowls and all that shit, but it's the blocking. He's an all-around tight end. That's what makes guys like Kittle and Kelsey uh, fabulous and Tony Gonzalez and things over the years because they're an all-around tight end, so – all right, we had to cover Gronk and, and Brady. We almost slipped uh, slipped by him there. But back to the regular programming here um, to round out the uh, bottom 10 fantasy playoff schedules, uh, strength of schedule. Uh, again, 32 Bills, 31 Rams, 30 Browns, 29 Bears, 28 Panthers, 27 those Buccaneers, 26 Redskins, 25 Chargers, 24 Dolphins, 23 Lions. All right, man, another segment I want to do here pretty quickly um, – just you know take a few minutes here to round out this is the best first week of the season so i've done best and worst first four weeks we've covered the first four weeks for streaming with quarterbacks and things like that i'm not even going to go that far because with tight ends you play a guy and if he's awesome you ride him another week if he sucks you drop him you play the matchups that's how tight end goes quarterbacks a little bit more uh steady tight end is like up and down and people that, that that stream tight ends and defenses could literally go through 16 different ones over the uh, entire fantasy season so let's get into it here um the best first week of the season the reason we're bringing this up is if you punt tight end all the way to the end of your drafts you're looking at a streamer tight end with upside in week one you're only worried about week one if you're streaming then you're only worried about week two and only worried about week three and so on and then, of course, the matchups change as you go along. So, week one, best fantasy matchups. Run down the list here. Best fantasy matchup in week one specifically, Hunter Henry. Week two, Blake Jarwin. Three, Sprinkle. Four, Andrews. Five, Asiasi, who we haven't really talked about much, but does have the number one best playoff schedule there for the Patriots. Rookie tight end, though, so we'll see what happens. Six, Kittle. Seven, Graham and Komet with the Bears. Eight, Hawkinson. 
nine Ertz and Goddard, 10 Kelsey. So as much as, you know, you're not, you're not, not drafting uh, Kelsey Ertz, Kittle, Andrews, Henry, all those guys are going to get drafted for sure. But some names to really pay attention to when you're streaming that have a great opening week schedule that are legit streaming tight ends right off the bat. Jarwin at two um, Graham, who I think will be the starter starter uh, until he's not anymore uh, with the bears at seven and then Hawkinson um, at eight. So first week of the season specifically with the tight end, how are you feeling about this list? Yeah, I think the one is Hawkinson. I think that I would reference the hit rates, but if you listen to two months ago, our hit rates on second-year players, the only tight end in the top ten in the last ten years was Eric Ebron uh, on the Lions, coincidentally. And we kind of broke down why I think you really can't use that scenario to project this scenario because they had guys like Calvin Johnson. Um, they had another older t- receiver. I can't remember what his name was, but – I think that being said, Hawkinson is a first-round pick, a top-ten pick. I think that you give tight ends time, which you see. I think this team can take a step forward. Um, And I know we're big on Matt Stafford. If we're big on Matt Stafford, we have to be big on his pass catchers. We are on two of them. I'm just hoping we buy into that third in um, uh, in TJ Hawkinson. So maybe you could see a don't draft anyone, don't draft anyone, and go like Hawkinson, Greg Olson at the end. I think that would be a very viable um, pairing for sure. I like it. Good call. Of course, I love me some Jarwin. I'm not crazy about Graham, but let's not forget that, uh, obviously, um, Trey Burton. Sorry, his name slipped my mind. Uh, Trey Burton didn't work out last year for the Bears, but, you know, Matt Nagy needs that quote-unquote Kelsey why my move tight end, right? And it just didn't work out last year. The Bears were obviously a shit show. That's another conversation. Jimmy Graham is not Jimmy Graham of (laughs) – yesteryear who was like the other Gronkowski for a decade in, in his own right um, and a fantasy fantasy tight end Hall of Famer for sure as well but he is going to be fine as long as he's healthy uh, you know as much as Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw to the tight end Jimmy Graham was just fine with the Packers he was great with the Seahawks obviously with the Saints so that's maybe a weak one if I punt all the way to the end and I just work out to where my roster I'm getting gold nugget after gold nugget at wide receiver quarterback um whatever uh, or sorry wide receiver running back and then later on quarterbacks I'm just like oh shit I need a tight end those are the guys that I'm looking at late which would be you know mm-hmm. Graham who I think is going to fall further than Jarwin and Hawkinson because they at least have the upside Graham has no more upside it's just you know he's that three for 33 guy but could catch two touchdowns any given week, which, of course, is a huge advantage there for the tight end position. So, again, first week of the season, great streaming options off the bat, off the bat here. Top 10 best streaming options in the first week of the season. Henry, Jarwin, Sprinkle, Andrews, Asiasi, Kittle, Graham, and then probably Komet later in the season with Graham to start. Hawkinson, Ertz and Goddard, of course. You can kind of simultaneously play those guys. Their schedule, by the way, is insane. I just want to bring this up really quick. Uh, Philadelphia, where are you? Ninth best schedule, week one. Second in week two. First in week three. There's a chance that Goddard and Ertz are potentially top five tight ends each in the first three weeks. But then they have the 30th, 20th, 24th, 17th, 21st. All the way down the list, I'll be looking to trade both of those guys for some nuggets in the conversation. And then, of course, Kelsey at number 10, but you're drafting him in the top you know, 18 players anyway, most likely. All right, let's round it out here with the worst first week of the season. Streamers, these are guys that I'm kind of bummed because I was hyped on a few of these names 
to stream late, but I will probably pass on them in the first week and look to pick them up later in the season if I can potentially. 32nd overall, Sternberger, probably not getting drafted unless you're a dynasty league anyway, so we can pass on him. This is the bummer. The bummer name for me, though, Jonu Smith, 31st matchup, uh, uh, first week of the season. Then Max Williams, and double X Max with the Arizona Cardinals at 30. Dawson Knox, 29. Mike Kosicki, 28. Austin Hooper, 27. Gronk and Howard, 26. Higby, 25. Eifert, the legend shadow of Tyler Eifert in Jacksonville now. 13 touchdowns in 2013. Let's not forget about that. Tyler Eifert at 24. Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. at 23. Who are some names here that maybe you're bummed on that you were hyped on? Obviously, Gasicki makes a list that we've been talking about quite a bit on this podcast. Higby's on here at 25 as well. Who are some other names that you're kind of disappointed to see here as your late-round streamer for week one? Yeah, I think you touched it on with, with Johnu. I think that's that's the one that I was pretty big on. Um, I thought I was going to have a lot of shares. I probably still will because um, – like I said, it's he's like literally the number two option. He could be the number one option on this team. I know we love AJ Brown, but but I'm still like below on AJ Brown because we didn't see him dominate against any press coverage or any any true alpha corner. So I think John is in for a big role um, for sure. Maybe Eifert. I think he could have been worthy of a like super super late, like just because I think he's another volume play. But I think. Johnny's probably the one to know like Sean Gusecki and Hooper. So Johnny Smith, I think, is I mean, and do you, do you know exactly who they play week one? Oh, Broncos. Yeah, so they play the Broncos week one. But that being said, the Broncos kind of Monday night, like, baby. Monday night. Yeah, like the 10 30 <laughs> game for me. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tape it for you, bro. I'll send a VHS. Yeah. Uh, but the, the Broncos kind of like I think they're like their tight end points per game are always really fluky because I think to tight ends that are featured quite a bit, they allow a lot of points, it always seems like. Um, but then it, it's because, like, the teams, especially the last two years, are just going to attack the corners, which have been kind of weak. But this year they maybe sort of resurface. So I think Johnny can still be a fine play week one. He's probably – what we're projecting right now is probably like six to seven targets a game, which is still playable even against a seemingly hard schedule. Sure. Uh, I am – I think – now, as, as far as I know – there has there's nobody on the Tyler Eifert hype train. Is that correct? Is that a is that a correct assessment? Can I, if I go ahead and I just yeah. like get the keys for that, I can just drive it and pick up whoever wants. He to He might be him. good. Like he might be a good. Is like, that wide shooter. open? I mean, yeah, it's, it's very wide open for you. Okay, I'm gonna throw this out there right now, and this is just a and we're not a hot take podcast. I'm not even gonna use that term because I think it's it's just it's gimmicky at this point. Um. But I am going to say that looking at the schedule and just what Tyler Eifert used to be, again, he's basically not been Tyler Eifert for five years, seven technically, but he had some stints. Last year he did play a full season on a limited role, so he was healthy finally. And what's crazy to think about Tyler Eifert's injuries over all these years, his back, his lower body, concussions, all that shit, every one of them have been like fluke broken bones, which is fucking miserable, and I really feel for the guy. But it's different. Here's what I'm going to say really quick. It's different than a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who has had lower body soft tissue injuries his entire career. Those pop, Odell Beckham, and yes, I will concede on the Odell Beckham uh, uh, soft tissue injury situation for you. That is a problem because it continues to, to, um, to happen again and, and uh, unheal itself and re-injure a calf, re-injure a hamstring. We re-injure a, a thigh or, or a, a, you know, Achilles or something like that. Tyler Eifert has frankly just had like broken legs and ankles and knees and shit like that over his career, um, which are bones that heal and can come back even stronger. 
So I know it's a very long shot, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe my a, a favorite late round streamer that I might be throwing into more and more conversations just because I'm looking at this a little deeper now. 24th matchup to start the season. Not interested. I'll pick somebody else at tight end. No thank you. Week one. Week two, 18th. Again, not super sexy, but that gives me two weeks to figure out if Jay Gruden, who let's not forget, had Jordan Reed as a top three tight end for a couple of years before he got hurt with Kirk Cousins in Washington, was a great tight end there for quite a long time. Vernon Davis over the years as well. Um, if two, year, two weeks into the season, Tyler Eifert is getting – you know, eight targets a game. He's got five or six receptions for maybe 50 yards and maybe a touchdown or two. Listen to the schedule from week three to nine when you really start to, like, find out how players and situations and schemes, new quarterback, new positions are starting to set in. Week three, fifth best. Week four, the best fantasy schedule as of right now. Week five, ninth. Week eight, uh, seventh. They have a bye in week seven. Week eight, eighth best. Week nine, ninth. Uh, best and then we go all the way to the fantasy championship my man Tyler Eifert has the eighth best fantasy schedule in the championship week I think I just talked myself into uh conducting the Tyler Eifert (laughs) hype train I understand I'm probably all alone but uh I have to pick up one guy a season last year I was on the on the Mark Andrews trip with my boy Summy from the draft room podcast who I always bring up who had him at number seven last year I had him at like 11 and I thought it was high but obviously Mark Andrews picked up. But I'm going to grab Tyler Eifert now while he's free for the take in early June. So Tyler Eifert, that's my guy, late-round streamer. Starting in week three uh, through week ten, I think he can really, really benefit if he's healthy and if the Jaguars use him. There's not many other weapons in Jacksonville for him to use, and Jay Gruden, new head coach, loves to chuck it and loves to throw it to the tight end. All right, man, that is a long-winded tight end episode here. For the fantasy schedules, again, I'll run through the worst first week to maybe punt these guys uh, when you're looking at um, your week one streamer. Sternberger, worst uh, right now overall with the Packers. Then we have Janu, bummed to see that. Max Williams, Knox, Kasicki, Hooper at 27, Gronk and Howard, Higby, Eifert, and Rudolph and Irv Smith at 23. Uh, Really quick, Lucas, who has a better end-of-season stat line Gronk or O.J. Howard? Can I say Cameron Britt? Yes. Cameron, uh, who, has like a better, Britt. who has a better end-of-season stat line, Kyle Rudolph or Irv Smith? This one's tough because I think the, the incoming of Justin Jefferson is going to take time, and I think Irv Smith could really um, – like they could really use him on the outside. I think we saw a little bit last year they might use him in more of a flanker role. So I think – I think it's going to be a lot closer than we think. So I'd say, like, I'll just say tied. So I think Rudolph's still going to catch six, seven touchdowns. But I think, I think Irv Smith really has a chance to sort of come and do his own. Um, and especially in Dynasty, because Rudolph's gone after this year. They're, they're just cut him. Um, so I think he's a really good player to go acquire in Dynasty. And maybe even a late-round streamer. I think they can cut him this year. But with the lack of uh, depth on offense, they probably won't. But I think he'd be worth a – um, a queue up on your waiver or just like your 15th, 16th round pick because maybe they cut Rudolph before the season starts. One more. Higby or Everett? I mean, I don't know because I like both of them a lot in terms of like this, the talent. The situation is kind of weird. I'm going to go Everett because I think people are forgetting what Everett did before Higby broke out. I like it. All right, man. 
that is going to wrap up our tight end episode for the strengths of schedule. Uh, we have the rankings coming out tomorrow, and we're going to have a tight end premium mock draft uh, for you on Thursday. Uh, Lucas, uh, before I run everything down, please, uh, again, give us a little brief snippet of what to expect coming up in just a month, man, uh, for the uh, draft guide here, the TCK Pod draft guide. Year one, dropping July 6th. Uh, what are some just kind of some quick things that people can look forward to in that? Yeah, so we'll have a form or a link of some sort sent out here pretty soon. Um, I would say if this week you're hearing this on Tuesday by the end of the week or for sure next week, um, I just got to make it and get it all set up. The, the website is on private now, so how that'll work is when you do buy it, we'll just get your email because if you go on the site, you can see you have to log into WordPress. We'll just get your email set up on there so you do have rights to it. Um, it'll be a pretty simple process. You won't need to... Um, We'll probably just use PayPal or Venmo or of some sort. We probably won't do any whole credit card verification thing. So maybe it'll be pretty smooth. Um, and then you'll you'll see the details attached with that form of like what tiers you can get, et cetera, and all that stuff. Fantastic. Super excited about it, man. You and I have been putting in a ton of work. Very excited. There's a lot of other draft guides out there as well, which we're, we've been excited to see launching on the independent level. Obviously, the Fantasy Footballers UDK just dropped. That's big. BDGE, Nick, and, and the crew always have a big one over there as well. So there's a lot of content out there for you to go grab. Um, so please consider us as well dropping July 6th. All right, folks, you can listen to the Candles to Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to leave a subscribe and comment here on the YouTube channel. Let us know how you feel about these tight end schedules. If any minds have been changed better or for worse, please. And also leave a rate and review on our podcast anywhere you listen to, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, you can listen on, uh, on Anchor. You can also find us on uh, Stitcher as well. So please check that out. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod, on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. As Lucas said, our website is now private, so that will be unavailable until the draft guide drops July 6th at ttkpod.com. But you can also uh, slide into our DMs at any time and ask a personal question. I do personally reply to every single DM. Yes, I do have a clean record. As of now, <laughs> I stay up quite late uh, getting into the DMs and the comments. So if you make a comment or slide into a DM somewhere, I will get back to you eventually. So I much, much appreciate you. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Rankings coming up tomorrow for the tight ends. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.